You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our very good friends at Alumni Hall. There's still time to load up on all your game day needs before the home opener this weekend. Check them out in store at the Epps Bridge Shopping Center here in Athens or online at alumnihall.com. But I'm your host, Tyler, and joining me again today to make our week two picks of the week is my coach Charlie. And Charlie, I don't know about you, but I didn't feel great about our week one picks. How would you describe our week one picks? I mean, it wasn't perfect, but I'm not. I mean, too that, that's putting it very lightly. It was not perfect. I mean, I'm not too embarrassed. Yeah, I wasn't like. It started off very inauspiciously. Uh, Friday night was not good for me with North Carolina, but it wasn't terrible outside of that but still wasn't necessarily what I was going for. So I would say maybe for me, hit or miss. There were some that I was really proud of that I got right, that I kind of went out on a limb for and it worked out. Some I went out on the limb and um, yeah, that limb snapped. It did not work out so well. But for our newer listeners who might not have been with us the past few seasons, what we do first on these episodes before we get into this week's picks is own our bad picks from last week. We, we believe in accountability here on the show. It's, this is all in fun, obviously. It's okay to pat yourself on the back when you get one right here or there, but when you get one wrong, you got to own that too. So that's what we like to do here first. Overall, like Charlie said, you know, it wasn't too gr- bad, wasn't great, wasn't too bad, up and down, hit or miss. Overall, we both went four and four against the spread in week one. I was also two and one with my upset specials, I nailed both Penn State. That was that was my claim to fame in week one. I got Penn State over Wisconsin as an upset special for them to win outright, and Georgia also to win outright as underdogs. I did miss the Indiana upset special badly, though. That one uh, was not close. It did not work out well for me there. And I also missed my lock of the week with Virginia Tech pulling the, t- the top 10 upset over the North Carolina Tar Heels. That one, man, did not see that one coming. Charlie, you went 2-0 on your upset specials. You nailed UCLA over LSU, and also, just like I did, Georgia over Clemson. And you also nailed your lock of the week, Ole Miss. Were you, I know you were kind of nervous. I think you texted me on Saturday when you saw that Kiffin wasn't going to be playing or wasn't going to be coaching. You were like, uh-oh. Yeah, because we recorded this before that news came out, obviously. Well, yes, that so. news didn't come out until Saturday. We were, we're, I know, yeah. I'm saying. Well, I mean, that... Did that need to be said? I feel like that was kind of obvious. Yes, well, I mean, we recorded was, this. People might not remember that that was my lock. Okay. And well, not remember yeah. the timeline. Well, that's time what I'm line. responding. Okay. Well, the timeline was like the show was. But people might not remember. <laughs> I don't even know what day of the week. Well, even if people are smart enough to know that the show wasn't recorded on Saturday, it was published on. Okay. Thursday. Well, I don't remember when the show was recorded. But How you know, that? it wasn't on Saturday. I also don't know what day of the week it is right now. I mean, I... Wednesday. Right? <laughs> yeah, I go I think maybe. yeah, the the short week of Labor Day it kind of throws things off. But congratulations, Charlie. You did nail Ole Miss, even without Lane Kiffin, they found a way to pull that one out. Um but Charlie, I gotta ask you. We had some good picks, both of us nailed a few good ones, but we also had some that were um shall we say embarrassing? Are you talking about your Indiana upset? I mean, that's not the most embarrassing one for me. Maybe that should be the one I'm most embarrassed about. But which one are you most embarrassed about? Don't talk about me. I'm gonna put you uh, on blast first. I mean, 
probably Miami. That was a flyer. That Bama, was a big flyer. Bama rolled, so, you know. I will say, I consider taking Miami because the point total got, what was it, like almost 21 by kickoff. I got close, like, mm, maybe. I was thinking maybe I could buy a couple points, get it to 23, 24. But even then, I was like, ah, man, I just don't. It, again, it wasn't so much about Bama. And obviously, Bama looked great, but I just don't believe Miami. I told you guys last week, I thought they're, I think they're maybe a fringe top 25 team. Where are they right now? Oh, yeah, fringe top 25. They're number 24. So, I, I mean, I know... Obviously, Alabama look great, but Miami is also not a very good team. They're not well. They're not terrible. They're just not as good as people think they are or thought they were coming into the season. So yeah, I, I can I can see why that one's uh, a little bit embarrassing for you. Are you also embarrassed by LSU? I'm more stunned by what happened with LSU. Hmm. Sissy blue shirts. God, blue. Coach O. Have you? There's uh, so I was listening to. I listen to a lot of different things. I like to just follow college football in general. I don't know if you saw this, but there apparently that there's this LSU podcast, this guy that's pretty connected, and apparently over the summer there was an incident that hasn't really made it public where Coach O was like at a fishing camp and this guy was fishing with his sons at a fishing camp and Coach O and his sons come by or drive by on a boat or something and one of the kids like, hey, there's Coach O and someone makes an offhand comment like, Oh, well, you know, he better win all his games this year. Apparently, Coach O heard that, and like 10 minutes later, comes storming over looking for a fight. And one of the kids caught it on camera. Or they, of course, recorded it. Everything's recorded nowadays. And apparently, it was an LSU booster that Coach O didn't know was an LSU booster that he was basically threatening. Oh. Coach O comes up like, oh, you got something to say to me? You know, as Coach O would do. He's just, the macho stuff's wearing thin. And, and if you don't win, then the macho, like, if you win, you win national titles, the macho stuff's all fun and games, the voice, all that. But when you don't win, you, it's just kind of embarrassing. And apparently, the booster sent that stuff into the LSU administration. Their athletic oh, well, can you blame them? No, but, like, it's things, and then the sissy blue shirt thing, it's like these little things, and like, and going around gallivanting around LA with some young lady, you know, the night before the, the, the game against, L, against uh, UCLA. It's just, I don't know, not a good look for him. But yeah, I was, I was. I'm not buying LSU anymore. I'm done with LSU. Coach O's dead man walking unless they somehow just pull off the impossible, which I just don't think it's going to happen. I think that program's in bad shape right now, just internally. So they got talent, which internally they're in a bad spot. So I'm, I'm not buying them at all anymore. That's done. I'm done with LSU. I just think the UCLA, I did not think UCLA had enough talent to hang with LSU. I was wrong there. LSU's defense is still very, very bad. Maybe not as bad as last year. Still not very good. So that one, yeah, I guess that's embarrassing. Uh, but the one that I was just... God, just completely thrown off by was North Carolina, man. And well, I think I think everyone is. Well, the reason I'm most embarrassed by that is I locked that up as my lock of the week. Like I came out of the gates. That was our first pick of the entire year. We started with North Carolina and Virginia Tech because that was the Friday night game. I'm like, okay, go ahead, baby, lock this up right out of the gate. I got this. And yeah, now they didn't get blown out, but just the fact that I locked it up just did not uh, sit well with me. And, it was, and I didn't expect that. Honestly, obviously, I locked it up, so I didn't expect it. But I knew North Carolina lost a lot. But I had absolutely no faith in Virginia Tech to be able to score, which they really didn't. They didn't. It was just North Carolina just fell apart offensively. It was almost like watching a different offense than what they had last year. And I'm not even talking about the personnel losses. I know they lost a lot, but just what they were doing. They ran the – everything they did last year was off the run game, and they just did not run the ball enough on Friday night, I think that really impacted what they were able to do in the passing game. And that's also a big reason why Dolphins Vine, other than just being terrible, could not really protect Sam Howell and had him running for his life. So it was just like almost watching a different offense. It was a weird, weird, kind of like bizarre watch as I was sitting there at a restaurant in Charlotte on Friday night. But I'm also really mad at myself for not going with Florida State to cover against Notre Dame. I really wanted to go with that. It came down to either picking Indiana over Iowa as my as an upset special or Florida State over Notre Dame. And I didn't want to go. I didn't think Florida State would flat out straight up win. I thought they might cover, but I decided to go with Indiana and stick with Notre Dame. I didn't want to go like too far. Like pick all those upsets and all the underdogs in week one. So that one I kind of I um, backed off on. But I really wish I would have gone with that one. But you know that's kind of how betting works. But anyway, it wasn't a great week one, but it also wasn't a disaster. And week one is really hard to bet on. In our defense, it's hard because even though you think you know. You don't really know, but now we have a week of games under our belt and some actual verifiable evidence to work off of. So we are going big in week two. I got a feeling, guys, it's going to be a big week. It's going to be a big week. 
Before we get into our picks, I do want to remind everyone that we are recording this episode on Wednesday night, so there may be some movement on these lines between now and when you are listening to this episode, but this is where things are right now. So we got a slate of eight games for you. A couple of, as many SEC teams as we could fit in here, and we got a couple of big national games as well. So, Charlie, where are we starting? All right. We're going to start with the big noon game that's on Saturday. You like with- to go in chronological order, don't you? Like, through the day. Like, you start, I, I think I'm no, I've picked up on what you do. You start with the games that come on first, and then you work your way through the night games. Well, I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I just, I just didn't for a while there. I was like, where is she coming up with the these games and whatnot? But now math I get it. isn't your thing, is it? Organization. Well, that's, how is that math? Not a skill. That's Time recognizing patterns. Math patterns. Yes. Not necessarily math. You can recognize patterns in any okay. academic discipline. All right. Well, we're gonna start with the noon game. Is that okay? That, that's wonderful. All right. That's so that's idea. number twelve. Oregon traveling east to Columbus, Ohio, to take on. The third-ranked Buckeyes. Mm -hmm. Ohio State got pushed by Minnesota last week before pulling away for the 45-31 victory. Freshman C.J. Stroud had a pretty good game for Ohio State with a total of 294 yards, but he looked a little shaky at times going 13 for 22, which is 59%. It was his first game, and he will improve with each game, I'm sure, but there are still some questions. The Ducks, on the other hand, are led by senior quarterback Anthony Brown, Oregon has a senior leading the Ducks offense, and the experience will definitely be helpful this Saturday in Columbus. I'm sure it'll be loud, even though it's at 12. Would you see that they apparently, as of like last night, still like 10,000 tickets that they haven't been able to sell in the horseshoe. For huh. this, for this big, this is a big non-conference matchup. That's strange. They have not. I, mean, I guess COVID has something to do with that, but no. that's not normal for Ohio State. I think it'll be pretty loud still. I'm sure they'll sell them eventually. Ohio but. State is favored by 14, and to me that just seems like a lot of points. Ohio State is one of the top teams in the country, obviously ranked number three in the AP poll this week. But I think Oregon will come to play, and the senior leadership and strong defense will help keep them in the game. So I'm going to pick the Ducks to cover. Do you know what the point total is for this game? Point total? I can look it up for you real quick. Off the top of my head, no. It's probably it's probably in like the high 50s, if I had to say. Let me check out our old friends at MyBookie. We don't have MyBookie as a sponsor right now, but hey, we're, you're always welcome back. 63 and a half, Charlie. 63 and a half. So if you had to go mm. over under, where are you going? E. It's only the second week. Ohio State's defense was... Tough to watch. Yeah, I think that's a lot one. of points. Kayvon Thibodeau, the best defensive player for Oregon, might not be playing. Probably won't but play. But you know, I was going to take the under on the Georgia-Clemson game. Everybody thought I was crazy. I might. 63 is a lot. That is a lot. 63 is a lot. I can see this being more of a high score affair, though. All right, I'm going to take the under. So that's not an official like thing, but I'm going to write okay, it Okay, a little side bet. I'll side take the bet. over. Okay, a little side bet. I'll take the over. Okay. I'll take the over. All right. Well, what do you think about this game? So this is a strange one for me because I was I watched all of Ohio State, watched some of Oregon on Saturday, and I was not impressed with either team in their Week One performance. Honestly, after watching Ohio State struggle with Minnesota on Thursday night, I was ready to take Oregon. I was like, man, I'm going to pick Oregon like outright. I'm, I'm I was curious what the line was going to be. But I, I just had to wait and see exactly what Oregon looked like. Because Oregon has some questions, especially at quarterback with Andy Brown taking over for Tyler Shuck. But then Oregon played. And they had to really fight and claw to beat Fresno State. Now, Fresno State is actually a pretty good team. Jake Hayner was a guy that was initially at Washington, got beat out. I think he was actually there when Jacob Eason was there. I, I want to say he was a freshman there and lost that battle there. And ends up at Fresno State after the transfer portal. So he's like a good quality quarterback. Fresno State's a good solid team, but still, man, like Oregon, come on, man, like they, they were they were in danger of potentially losing that football game. And Ohio State, like the big issue for them when I was watching them, and again, great, it's only one game, so it's trying to overreact, but it's all we have to work off of right now. They have some major issues on defense right now. They really do. They let a largely one-dimensional team in Minnesota, who really all they can do is run the football. They let them move the football, I don't want to say at will, but far too easily and too comfortably for a top five team. Like that that was not a good showing. And yeah, they had some guys out in the secondary, but it wasn't like 
Minnesota was just gashing through the air. It was all about Muhammad Ibrahim before he got hurt. God, God, that sucks. I mean, I saw it too. I knew it was his Achilles when he went down. It's the way it like kind of just popped there. That's a terrible injury. But um, he was running all over him, so they hadn't they didn't have anything to really do with their secondary. But uh, on the flip side, Ohio State does have a dynamic offense. They have playmakers everywhere, a wide receiver, especially with Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, kind of headlining there. A really good offensive line, uh, a good stable of running backs, just like we do. But there are questions, like you said, Charlie, about quarterback. C.J. Stroud was the guy that we almost landed from California a couple years back in the recruiting process. Ends up at Ohio State, which I don't blame. I, I understand why a high-level quarterback might want to go to a school like that that has their quarterbacks put up massive numbers. That makes sense to me. And he uh, he actually won the quarterback battle there. Quinn Ewers came in from uh, from Texas. You have Kyle McCord as well. Quinn Ewers coming in from high school in the state of Texas as an early enrollee there, a very, very early enrollee. He should be in a senior of high school, but he decided to opt out so he can make a million-plus dollars with NIL. And so good, a bunch of highly rated guys there. He wins that battle, but he did not look comfortable. He ended up with decent numbers. They got a couple of short passes that his uh, skill players took the distance that really kind of made it look better than it actually was, but it was not a very confidence-inspiring performance if I'm an Ohio State fan. And Oregon is good on defense. I mean, they, they had two linebackers that are really good, Justin Flo and Noah Sewell. I wanted both those guys a couple years ago. I thought we might get at least one of them. We had a really good shot at Sewell. We came in second for him, but his brother up there at Oregon was just too much to overcome. But those guys are really, really good. I think Flo had like 14 tackles in week one against Fresno State. So those guys are good on defense. Kayvon Thibodeau, their best player on defense, probably is going to play. He had, I think it was an ankle injury that he suffered in week one. So that's going to be tough for them to stop this Ohio State offense without a guy of Thibodeau's caliber. And I just don't know what to make of Anthony Brown at quarterback for Oregon. I do think the Ohio State defense is vulnerable, as I mentioned, but is Anthony Brown good enough to take advantage of some of those issues and some of the injuries that look like they're still going to be in effect in that Ohio State secondary? So I don't know, I man. This is a tough one. I have questions about Stroud at quarterback for Ohio State. I have questions about Brown at quarterback for Oregon. Major questions about the the Ohio State defense. But here's another factor you have to consider as well. Don't undersell the impact of the noon start for Oregon. How much do you think that impacts them, Charlie? Like, these are guys, that's 9 a.m. local time. Yeah, that's for, that's rough. That is a rough Maybe early I start. Maybe I want to change my bet now. I forgot about that. And I'm sure that their coaches have helped them. Like they've been preparing for this all offseason. I'm sure they've had some early practices to get used to that. Just like we had, we had some practices late at night, uh, leading up to the Clemson game to get used to that environment, that time of day. But man, that's just that's tough for a team coming across country playing at 9 a.m. like their time. That's tough. So I think 14 points is a lot. I really do. I think Oregon absolutely could keep it closer than 14. I don't see them winning this football game. I think Ohio State has too many playmakers on offense. I don't like the time of day for them. Uh, Tibo injury, I think, is going to be an, an impact on Oregon's defensive performance. I don't know, man. 14 is a lot. I'm going to go. You know what? I'm going to go with Oregon to cover. I don't have a lot of confidence in that. I just, I think Oregon will be able to move the ball on this Ohio State defense. I just, I really was not impressed with what I saw from Ohio State. I don't think they're going to be able to move it enough to win the game, but I think they can keep it in within like 10 ish points. Enough to cover. But I'm not confident. Like the time of day that like playing 9 a.m. local time is tough. Okay, so Ohio. I would not bet on this game, is what I'm saying. Alright, I'm writing that down. Alright, I'm not gonna lie. When I started to write my intros for these picks, I got really confused when I looked at this next game with Pitt traveling to Rocky Top. Mm-hmm. Alright, I must have been really tired because I kept thinking it was Penn State. <laughs> I mean I mean okay. they both start with a P. Same state. Yes, geographically. Well, and I, yeah. I, I could not figure out why Tennessee was only a three-point dog. Did you have a little too much fun in Charlotte especially? To, to Penn State. No. No? So it took a few minutes of me doing something else to finally realize that it was Pitt and not Penn State. But I still... I'm glad you finally figured that out. Don't think that Pitt should only be a three-point favorite. It really is one of these weird lines where it's like, does somebody know something I don't know? Yeah, so I don't know. I'm expecting Tennessee to be to be pretty awful this year, but they did beat Bowling Green 38 to six last oh, weekend. Oh, congratulations! So I hope the Vol faithful enjoyed that win over the Falcons because, well, I don't think there will be any winning this weekend. Ooh, Charlie, calling her shot. I don't know. So I know it was only 
Who was it? I just forgot. Bowling Green. Bowling Green. Wow. See? Long week. Wow, what is going it's on? It's a short week, but it's a long week. You they, sure you did not have too much fun in Charlotte? They affect me way too much. What am I saying? You never have too much fun, so that's impossible. Yeah. Oh, okay. I know what I was thinking. Hmm. Pitt scored 51 last weekend. Yes, against UMass. Yes. 51-7. That's what I was thinking. Yes. Well, UMass and is terrible. I don't know if the Vols will be able to keep up with that. So, I'm going with Pitt to cover. Yeah, you're right, Charlie. Tennessee ran all over Bowling Green last week to the tune of 326 yards on the ground. But guys, Bowling Green has not won a game, get this, Charlie, since November 2nd, 2019. Oh, that's so sad. Almost two years since Bowling Green has won a college football game. So, yay, Tennessee fans, put your hands together, clap. But, I mean, come on, guys. Like, is that really the standard that that you're setting for yourselves? Is... To me, that's not exactly a measuring stick kind of game when you're beating Bowling Green. Good for you. I know the, like, Tennessee is so star for any kind of success that even beating Bowling Green is like, hey, hell yeah, at least we didn't lose. I guess I get that on some level. And when you watch Tennessee play, Joe Milton, he won the job. And I was kind of surprised by that. Obviously, he was the best athlete there. But that Josh Heupel offense is all about timing and accuracy in the passing game. And that has not been Milton's MO through his career. I know he didn't start a ton of games, but playing at Michigan last year and through one game against a very overmatched opponent. And it's very hard to be overmatched by Tennessee. That's how bad Bowling Green is. Milton looked to be still very much a highly erratic passer. That's just not a fit for Josh Heupel's offense. He's not. He's just a different kind of quarterback than Heupel's ever had to work with. Maybe that ends up being a good thing, but Heupel's shown no history or no background of working with a guy of Milton's skill set. And Tennessee obviously still has some issues on defense, despite the fact that Bowling Green couldn't really score on them. They scored six points maybe. But come on, again, Bowling Green has not won a game in almost two years. And then a pit, on the other hand, is an experienced team with a fifth-year senior and a fourth-year starting quarterback in Kenny Pickett. So he's been around five years. This is his fourth year as a starting quarterback at Pitt. He's never been spectacular, but he's very good, very solid, very experienced. I shouldn't say very good. Very solid, very experienced. We'll go with that. So to me, when I'm looking at this game, Pitt is more stable. They're more experienced. They're more talented. They have more playmakers like Shockey Jock Louis. I had to work that name in there. I love that name. Shockey Jock Louis. Put that on the, the short list of best names in college football. Storm Duck, Shockey Jock Louis, Bumper Pool from Arkansas. There's a couple names out there, but you've got to have Shockey Jock Louis on the short list. It just rolls off the tongue. Love that name. So they got more playmakers. They've got more stability. They've got more experience. The only thing working against Pitt in this game is the location. The fact that it's played in Knoxville on Rocky Top. But that's not enough, guys. Come on. Pitt is going to win this football game. And like Again, it's one of those things. Like I feel very confident in this. You look at that line, though, and you're like, okay, people in Vegas are smart. Like They make a lot of money. Do they know something I don't know? It's like one of those weird lines. kind of like last week. It's like UTSA. Uh, Illinois is only a slight favorite over UTSA. And it's like, man, like... That's weird. That's scaring me off. And so I wouldn't. I didn't bet on that game because of that. And sure enough, UTSA actually ended up winning that football game. I don't think this is one of those games, though. I think Pitt is legitimately just a better football team. So I'm going to go Pitt to win this game, to cover, to win. Charlie, go ahead. Lock it up. Pitt minus three. Lock of the week. Pitt minus three. Pitt minus three over Tennessee. Lock, lock of the week. Lock of the week. Pitt minus three. Lock. Of the week. week. And I literally just made that decision. I had another game that was going to be my lock of the week. Can I have two locks of the week? I forgot I have to do that. Can I have two I locks of the week? I haven't thought about that very much. I give you, I tell you what it, what we're going to do I in the know, show. I know, I know, I know. Can I have two locks of the week? Because sure. I had another, that was not one that I had planned. All right, sure. so that's my that's my bonus lock of the week. Okay, bonus. I talked myself into it as I All was right. going through that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right. Well, number five, Texas A&M sailed through their first game against Kent State in their season opener last weekend with the Aggies winning 41 to 10. This weekend, they're traveling to Colorado and are favored by 17 against the Buffs. The Aggies have a nice, easy schedule to start the first three, four, even five weeks of the season before they take on Alabama. Mm-hmm. I think A&M will cover the 17. Jimbo Fisher, he'll have his guys locked in because they need to make the most of these first few weeks mm-hmm. so they can make necessary adjustments and whatnot before October 9th when they play Alabama. Is that at Alabama? No, it's no, at a That's why at I got a to win the West. Yeah. So. Which I might be rethinking after Alabama's performance, <laughs> but I'm going to stick with my guns. I'm going with A&M to cover. All right, quick trivia time. What's Kent State's mascot? Come on. Trivia time. Kent State mascot. I have no idea. Bird? No, it's not Okay, bird. you're close. It's a bird, I guess. Yeah. Like a cardinal or something? No, it's not the name of a bird. It, but there's a bird in their like logo. Well, then what is it? The golden flashes. Oh, yeah. I would never get it's that. It's like a combination of a bird and the lightning bolt in their logo. Oh, golden flashes. I like the lightning bolt. That's why I asked you. I knew you wouldn't get it. I wanted to embarrass you. Oh. I'm just going to be honest. I'm just going to be honest. It doesn't embarrass I'm just going to be honest. Uh, nothing really does embarrass you. No, you're right. Yeah, no pride. It's all good. Um, no and then, pride. I mean, you just don't. You just don't care. Like you don't care right, about those that, kind of things. That doesn't mean I don't have any pride. That okay. All right. All right. Doesn't affect me. You have no ego. Is that's what I'm trying to say? Like if you get something wrong, like, like that wrong, you're just like, oh, who cares? I don't care. I learned something today. That's how I. Look I like at to it. know things. Mm, well. But so like if I got that wrong, I'm like God, man. But you're like, yeah. Yeah. Who yeah cares? I learned something. That, Golden that, flashes. I, I love the way you, you took that. Yes. I Golden have to flashes. Pull that up and actually look at it. Would you like to look at it right now? No, no one cares. I, I Kent State Golden Flashes. All right, so the Kent State Golden Flashes, uh, they lost to AM. So we got AM at Colorado here. AM minus 17. God, that's a lot of points. Colorado was smoking mirrors last year. I will admit they started off hot. That was not really a good team. Very much smoking mirrors last year. And they lost their starting quarterback, Sam Noyer, actually now. The quarterback for Oregon State. It's hometown state. Um, and I still have some questions about Haynes King at quarterback for AM. He was okay. Against the Golden Flashes last week, but not spectacular, which has kind of been the case, a quarterback, even with Kellen Mond. That's kind of what they've been under Jimbo Fisher. So, hmm, newsflash there. But Colorado, man, like they're going to they're gonna struggle to score on that AM defense. 17 is a lot of points for AM because AM is just not really an explosive offense. They rarely blow out Power 5 teams. And you, I mean, maybe you don't consider Colorado a Power 5 team, but technically speaking, they are a Power 5 team. And they just really don't often blow out Power 5 teams under Jimbo Fisher. The way they run their offense, they just don't have enough possessions to run the score on teams like that. But at the end of the day, Colorado just does not have the personnel. Jarek Broussard is back at running back. He's a good running back. He's kind of who they leaned on last year. But they're entirely one-dimensional right now with the run game, and that's a recipe for a beatdown against an awesome A&M defense. I think... If you bet on this one, you're going to be sweating it out, but give me AM to pull through with the late cover, late fourth quarter cover, barely, barely. So Colorado's going to have backdoor cover? I mean, no, I think AM's going to have the late backdoor cover. I'm going to say AM wins something like 31 to 13. 31 13. You like reciprocals, huh? I mean, I'm not sure what reciprocal is, but yes, we'll go with that. What do you think it is? If I, I know it's. I and I was. I understand. I just Are you embarrassed now? I mean, I'm generally generally speaking, I'm just embarrassed of everything okay. about myself. Right. So yeah, right. I am. Well, let's move on. Let you be embarrassed about something else. I'm always embarrassed. It's okay. All right, college game day is heading to Ames, Iowa, to my favorite game of the week is the Hawkeyes and the Cyclones. Favorite game of the week, huh? I I like this game. Hmm. 
Is it's a fun okay? game. No, I'm just I didn't know. That. Interesting. Okay. All right. It's a fun game. Well, they're set to battle for the Cyhawk Trophy in a rare top ten matchup between the in-state rivals. The ninth-ranked Cyclones are favored by four at home, and the tenth-ranked Hawkeyes are coming off a beatdown of Indiana last week. So we have another toss-up. Another toss-up here. Yep. Can I give you the trivia time? I'm gonna give you one thing you can get. Sure. What is the origin of the name Cyhawk Trophy? They put Cyclone and Hawkeyes Let's together. Let's go! You got it. Congratulations. You thought I might get that? No, I was trying to give you one that you get. I was trying to build you back. I felt bad about you know putting you on blast there, so I wanted to help you out a little I, bit. I didn't care. All right. I know. I don't really care either. I was just kidding. <laughs> Iowa State struggled to beat Northern Iowa 16-10 last week, but that had to be... A look-ahead scenario, in my opinion. The Cyclones just couldn't get the ground game going. Although Brock Purdy had a decent day, completing 86% of his passes for 199 yards. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's fine. So, I'm going with Ohio State, even though it might be a bad decision. Ohio State? That's, that's, oh, about, this is, It's a three-way, huh? Iowa. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Iowa. Did I say Ohio? Iowa or Iowa State? You did say Iowa State. State. Iowa State's going to win. At home. Yeah. They're going to cover the four-point spread. Yes. Got it. I hope so. Well, I mean, that's your pick, so... Well, we could also just throw a coin up in there. I mean, it's it's one of those toss-up games. I'll give you that. You're right on that. I would say about this game, I'm going to caution people to not read too much into last week's results on both sides of this equation, whether it's Iowa or Iowa State. Yeah, I know Iowa State had to really struggle to beat Northern Iowa. I know that. And Northern Iowa had the ball late with a chance to win the game. They threw a bad interception. Iowa State sneaks it out 16-10 at home. But if you've paid attention to Iowa State, which you probably have over the past couple of years, because who really pays attention to them, they've had a habit of doing that early in the season. They lost to, to Louisiana to open the season last year. I know Louisiana ended up being pretty good, but they lost that game. Uh, they actually lost Northern. They beat Northern Iowa in triple overtime back in 2019. So they have a habit early in the season against these teams that they should beat of kind of letting these games stay closer than they should be and kind of sweating them out. And the reality is, Iowa State just is not explosive on offense. They are the antithesis of explosive on offense. They are methodical, and that reduces your margin for error, and that keeps games like that like Northern Iowa, closer than they should be. And on the other side, how good is Iowa? Like, I know they beat the holy crap out of Indiana. Was it 34-6? But is Iowa that good? Or is Indiana that bad? Or was it just one of those games? And if you actually watch that game, I watched a good portion of that game on Saturday at the sports bar. But yeah, the score was lopsided, which I guess is ultimately what ends up mattering at the end of the day. But if you watch that game, Iowa didn't really dominate that game anywhere but on the scoreboard. They Yeah, they outgained Indiana, but only 303 to 233. That's not a beatdown in terms of like overall production. The thing was, Michael Penix Jr. threw three bad interceptions, and Iowa turned two of them into pick sixes. And that really skewed the outcome of this game. So I think you just be careful reading too much into results. I know a lot of people are going to say, well, Iowa just destroyed Indiana, Iowa State barely beat Northern Iowa. So I'm going with Iowa. And I see that line of thinking, but I'd just be really cautious. There's some context there when you're looking at those results from last week with both of these teams. And with Iowa, I still have some serious questions about Spencer Petras at quarterback. I don't think he's a guy. I mean, he's, he's a person. I don't think he's a dude though. Um, he was under 50% last week after only completing 57% of his passes last year. Tyler Goodson from North Gwinnett is a good running back. I do like him a lot, but I'm not sure this is a true two-dimensional offense. These are two really good defenses, but I trust Iowa State's playmakers on offense more. Brock Purdy at quarterback, I do think he's overhyped. But he is more proven, in my opinion, than Spencer Petras. And I would take him over Petras at this point. Brees Hall, we know what kind of running back he is. Charlie Kolar, their star tight end, will be back this week. He did not play last week against Northern Iowa, which certainly was an impact in that game and how their offense fared. He'll be back in this one. So give me Iowa State at home in an ugly one to win a close one. I'm going to go like, they win this one 20 to 14, something like that. Low-scoring affair. They barely pulled out. Give me Iowa State. All right. 
Now let's talk about the old bitter Southwest rivalry. That is a hard. That word is a to tough say. word. Rival. You have to say it slowly. All right. Well, this game rivalry. was not played last year due to COVID. Steve Sarkeesian. Did I say that's a hard? You got some other words. Did a great job. Sarkeesian. Great job. Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian. Okay. And as long Sark is easier. Can I speak now? I was helping you out. Okay, but you said I had it, and then you kept. You talking. got it. All right. So him and his Longhorns are heading to Fayetteville to take on Sam Pittman and his Arkansas Razorbacks. This will be Texas's first unofficial SEC game since they will most likely be joining the conference next year. There's some real hate between these teams, and if you've listened to this podcast, you know that I really love Sam Pittman. But I'm going to have to take the Longhorns, who are favored by six and a half. Hudson Card played well last week in his first start at home, and I think he'll be able to take that experience and positive energy and keep it going in Fayetteville. Positive vibes only. Gotta love it. Okay, yeah, I like that pick, Charlie. Arkansas, woo! I know you love Sam Pittman, Charlie. That was ugly last week. They were tied with Rice going into the fourth quarter. Yes, they pulled away. They scored 21 fourth quarter points, but it wasn't a great look most of the game. K.J. Jefferson was very underwhelming in the season opener. Texas avoided the popular upset pick by defeating Louisiana at home pretty easily in that game. B. John Robinson, that's the guy for Texas on offense. He is legit at running back. Texas in this game just has better players. But I'm cautious about like putting actual money on this one because I believe Arkansas does have a chance in this one with it being at home at night against a big opponent. They're going to be well lubricated and ready to, ready to uh, go crazy in the stands. It'll be a good crowd. But man, like Arkansas just struggled too much last week with Rice. I know I cautioned in the, in the last game we're talking about with Iowa and Iowa State, don't read too much into the week one, but Arkansas really did not look that good against Rice. So I, I just think they struggled too much there for me to buy the upset bid possibility here. The Horns had the talent. They have the coaching advantage here. Yeah, I said it, Charlie. I like Sam Pittman too, but Sark is a better football coach. And I know they don't really coach the same sides of the football, but still, Horns have the talent. Horns have the coaching. I think both those went out at the end of the day. I've got Texas to win and cover the six and a half. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, you're taking Texas too. Do we have that? Do we have all the same picks right now? Oh, man. It's okay. We do this independently. No, I picked Oregon. You picked Ohio State. Okay, we got one difference. Okay. We have one difference. All right. Well, the next game is a conundrum, so you may be able to explain it to a me. A conundrum? Yes, big words. I like it. Reciprocal conundrum. You, you are far more intelligent than I am. Yeah. So maybe you can explain this one to me and the listeners. Uh, Mississippi State is hosting the NC State Wolfpack on Saturday. NC State is only favored by two and a half. I get this game is at Mississippi State. But State almost lost to Louisiana Tech last weekend, and NC State scored 45 on South Florida. And the Wolfpack defense didn't allow any points. So I'm taking NC State cover? Is it, am I missing something here? Charlie, this is kind of like the Pitt game, Pitt-Tennessee game. Does somebody know something I don't know? Well, I mean... I get that Mississippi State... Because NC State is a better football team. Right, and I get that Mississippi State may use the fact that they barely won as fuel for practice this week and during the game on Saturday. Yeah, but I just, I just don't see it happening. Charlie, NC State's... I'm a, I'm a believer in NC State this year. I, I think they're a sleeper team in the ACC. Unfortunately, they play in Clemson's side of the conference. They play in the Atlantic. If they played in the... If, this might be my lock. Oh, go with it. Like, I just don't see it happening. I'm ready go with it, girl. Now. I might scribble it out by the end of oh, this, I like it. I like it. Go ahead. Well, like I, if NC State played in the Coastal Division, the non-Clemson part of the ACC, I think they could win that division. But North Carolina didn't look great. Miami didn't look great. I think NC State is a sleeper team in the ACC. They just had the unfortunate privilege, I guess, of playing with, with Clemson. That just sucks for them. 
But this is a team that honestly, before the season, their win total was six and a half. I wanted to put like a significant amount of money down on NC State to go over six and a half wins to open the season. I backed off on that because I am a wuss. I don't know why I backed off on that because now I'm regretting it. I think NC State's really good. I know there was only South Florida in week one, but watching that game on Thursday is like, man, no, I was right about that. I think I really was right about that. I think this is at least an eight-win team. Like I cannot believe I didn't put the money down on that. I'm an idiot. Should have done it. But I, I'm a believer in NC State this year. And Mississippi State, as you mentioned, Charlie, they're another team that struggled against a lesser opponent. I mean, they should have. Charlie, how did they win that game? How did they beat Louisiana Tech? They were down 20 points in the fourth quarter. It took literally a minor miracle for them to somehow find a way to win that game. And they ended up winning by one point. So I mean, they found a way, I guess. I mean, they found a way. So I guess you, there's something in that. And maybe that can you can that can propel you forward, as you were saying. Maybe. I don't know. Possibly. I just don't think people realize the skill talent that NC State has on offense. Devin Leary is healthy, finally, and is a stud at quarterback. He was hurt most of last year, got hurt early in, early in the season. That guy is legit, guys. I'm telling you right now, that is a very good quarterback that no one nationally talks about. I think that's going to change as the year goes on. They've got Clemson here in a couple of weeks. I'm not saying they're going to beat Clemson, but... I think they could push them. I really, really do. I don't know if Clemson's going to have all their questions, and especially on the offensive line, by that time. Well, Clemson will probably win the game, but might be closer than people realize it might be. So they got Devin Leary. They got two really good running backs in Ricky Person and Zonovan Knight. They both went over 100 yards in week one against South Florida. Emeka Amezi is a legit number one wide receiver. Again, a guy that nobody really talks about because like, NC State's just not a team on the national stage. And they also play pretty good defense. You're right, Charlie. I know it's South Florida, but they blanked South Florida in week one. And Mike Leach, yeah, they start off with a bang, beating LSU last year, the defending champ, national championship LSU team, but it was all downhill from there, and he's really struggled to get it going at Mississippi State. Their offense looked better in the second half, and the fact that this game is at night in Starkville does give me some pause. That's why I'm not going to lock this one up, Charlie, and also the fact that it's like two and a half, like, does somebody know something? I don't know. But I just think NC State's the better team, and I really don't understand this line. I really don't. So... Give me the Wolf Pack. They're going to cover the two and a half easily, in my opinion. Like, I think I might put a significant bet down on this game. Like, I know some of these games I told you today, guys, I wouldn't bet on. Don't put your money on it because I'm not confident. This one, I really am. I feel really good about this. Like, I didn't, I, I missed the boat on NC State before the season with their six and a half win total. I regret that. I think I'm going to put a pretty big bet down on this one. I really do. Like, you know, take it or leave it. Don't take my word for it. I don't want anyone to like... <laughs> Put yourself in a bad position because of me, but I, I really, really do like NC State in this game. And I would lock this one up too, Charlie. There's another one that you've already locked it up. There's another one I want to lock up, even though I've already locked up one. I had a bonus lock up. I just said a lot of things really fast. Are you going to stop now? I, it's, it, it's, that was like a, a, yeah, sure. I don't, stream of consciousness there. Sorry. Okay. Well, it's a little bit of insight to how my brain works. Two games left. This is our first SEC matchup to pick. With the Mizzou Tigers playing at Kentucky. The Wildcats are Tyler's sleeper team in the East this season. I don't know if they're going to be sleeping much longer. Well, well it's, if you've been listening yep. this summer, you know this already. Kentucky finally has a quarterback in Will Levis, who threw for 367 yards last weekend. Granted, it was against Louisiana Monroe, but still. Are we saying Levis or Levis? Levis, 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 Levis. I've heard it both ways. Okay, Will. Will. Will L. Will, let me know how to say your name. I think I'm going to go with Levis, but I could be wrong there. All right. Well, I think Eli Drinkwitz is doing a great job so far in Columbia, Missouri, but I think Kentucky is going to be able to cover the five points this weekend, especially since it's a home game. I think the Wildcat crowd is going to be roaring and ready to go for their second home game on Saturday night. Yeah, so watch out for Kentucky boys and girls. Charlie's right. This is the team I've been talking about for a while. Are you locking up this game? Oh, I'm locking it up. Okay. This is the one I was waiting for. This is the one I was thinking about before the show even started. Yes. <laughs> you mentioned Will Levis, Levis, Willie L, whatever you want to call him. 367 yards, four touchdowns in his first start. And I know you could be saying, well, man, it was just Louisiana Monroe. That could, and yeah, it could just be a flash in the pan, sure. Certainly possible. It could be a one-week thing based off the opponent they were playing. But Charlie, do you know the last time a Kentucky quarterback threw for 367 yards in a game? I'm going to say never or a really long time ago. 2014. Oh. 2014. <laughs> seven years time. ago. They've actually not had a 
yard passer in a single game since 2016. It's been four years. Will Levis comes in week one, does it right off the bat. So what I'm saying is, yeah, I know the opponent was Louisiana Monroe, but they've played a bunch of Louisiana Monroe type teams over the past four, five, six, seven years, and none of their quarterbacks have done what Will Levis just did to Louisiana Monroe. And they also have two really good wide receivers. He's not doing it alone. Wondell Robinson, the transfer to Nebraska. Josh Ali was with them last year. That's a nice, really nice one-two punch at wide receiver. Of course, you got Chris Rodriguez, who's one of the best running backs in the country. Also, one of the best offensive lines in the country to run behind. And they're always going to play good defense under Mark Stoops. This Kentucky team, I think they're real guys. I really do. I think this is a real deal kind of team. Missouri's a solid team. They're not bad, but they just aren't as balanced on offense. They aren't as dynamic on offense. Yeah, I just call Kentucky dynamic on offense. If they had the passing game, I think they might have now with Levis. I think you could potentially say it's going to be a dynamic offense. And Missouri just doesn't play as good a defense. And the game's in Lexington. So everything is pointing to Kentucky here. Lock it up, boys and girls. Cats are going to start to put people on notice with this dub over the Mizzou Tigers. All right. Finally, your second-ranked Georgia Bulldogs will take on UAB at 3.30 on Saturday between the hedges. This will be the first home game with a full stadium since 2019, and it will be loud. It will also be very hot. Yeah, so are you going to be loud? I, I can see you just like wilting in the sun. You're just going to be melting, I laying mean, there sprawled out on the, on the bleachers. That's what you're going to be doing. Yes, probably. So, it will be hot, everyone. Please be careful. Although, I think the high is only like 84. That's really bad when you're like, it's only going to be 84. I mean, it could be so much worse. It has like been so much 96. worse. 96. So, now, we all know our defense is legit after holding Clemson to a field goal last weekend. And now we are all hoping to see a high-powered offense, which means JT Daniels finding receivers downfield. Although, if you've been paying attention, he has a strained oblique. It's, that's the world on the street right which now. Cannot feel good. Yeah, we'll see. Well. Yeah, um, might be a game time type decision Recover on whether he plays swiftly. or not. So UGA is favored by twenty six, which I just think is too much. Kirby doesn't typically run the score up on teams, and while UAB is a pretty good FCS team, I, I, you know. And Kirby's good friends with Bill Clark, their head coach. That's what I mean. So, yes, it's UAB, but I think UAB will still cover. Yeah, uh, man. So I know I, I did the full UAB preview. Hope you guys check that out. And I know you guys roll your eyes at me. I know you're doing it right now. When I try to tell you that we need to respect a team like UAB and that we can't just sleepwalk through this game, I hear I hear right now, guys, you're doing too much, Tyler. Calm down. Chill out. I see it. I hear it. I know you guys are thinking I'm crazy here. But guys, this really is, I cannot emphasize this enough. This is a good quality group of five team. No, we should not lose this game. And no, it should not be close if we play like we are capable of playing. The talent disparity is just simply overwhelming. But saying that, Charlie, we did also see Oklahoma struggle with Tulane last week, right? Oh, yeah. We saw that happen, okay? Tulane's kind of like UAB, a good, solid group of five program. Oklahoma is a team like us that people think is a national title contender, right? So if it could happen to Oklahoma... It can happen to us. I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying like things like this are not unprecedented. It can happen if the more talented team sleepwalks and kind of goes through the motions while the underdog is motivated, talented, and used to winning, which is kind of the case with UAB. And we do still have, like Charlie, you're right, the defense, we feel incredible about the defense. We know we have there, but there's still some legit concerns about the offense right now. And you throw in the fact that JT Daniels might or might not be playing, and if he does play, he's probably not going to be 100%. And UAB is a team built on playing great defense. They've been top 10 nationally in total defense each of the last three years. They're very similar to Clemson and how they like to create pressure, sack the quarterback, get tackles for loss, create negative plays, all that kind of stuff. And sure, I know that was against a Conference USA schedule, but they still play good defense. It's all relative, of course, but they still are a good football team. Don't just automatically assume. I'm going to caution you guys here because I know this is a popular thought right now. Don't just automatically assume that our offense is going to just put it together magically and assuage all concerns now that we get to play a a group of five team. Maybe that happens. I hope that happens. And that's probably the most likely thing, but it's not a given, all right? Because think about it, Kyrus Jackson still might not play. Darnell is not going to play. Tate Ratledge is out for the year. No Eric Gilbert, Arik Gilbert, um, no Dom Blaylock, potentially no JT Daniels. We still have a lot of inexperience out there. But now that I have sufficiently scared you, not scared you, now that I made you roll your eyes enough at me, 
We also have this defense that's pretty good. Pretty good in its own right. And is built to stop exactly what UAB wants to do on offense. If you listen to the full-on preview show, you know I detailed there how UAB is a heavy, heavy run team, especially heavy outside zone. That's their play. And they, they do a bunch of like unbalanced formations and that kind of thing to try to get defenses out of position. And everything they do is built off of that, being able to establish the outside zone. If they cannot run the football, then they have a really hard time doing anything offensively. Because their quarterback, Tyler Johnson III, he's, he can throw a good deep ball, but all that's based off play action establishing the run. And look, they do have some good skill players like, like Trey Shropshire and Prince at tight end that can make some plays. But to get those guys the ball in the passing game, they have to be able to establish the run. They can't, if they, can't, if they cannot get the run game going, they're not going to be able to effectively operate with their play action pass game. And that's going to make it very difficult for them to do anything offensively. So at the end of the day, I just don't think they can score enough to beat us. They're not that type of team. They're just not. They don't score like that. And what they like to do offensively is just a terrible matchup for what we are very, very good at stopping defensively, what we are built to stop defensively. So unless we give them easy scores to kind of self-destruct, I just don't think they're going to be able to score enough to beat us to really threaten us there. But we're talking about the spread here. We're talking about straight up. We're talking about the spread. If JT Daniels does not play, and I and I think there's a fair, maybe more than a fair possibility that he does not play this weekend with his oblique strain, it might be a game time type decision kind of thing, but it wouldn't shock me at all if he does not play. And if you add that on top of the fact that we're still missing all these other guys, we have a lot of inexperience on offense, it leads me to believe that we might lean more on the run game. And I hope we can hit some explosive plays, but they do a good job stopping the run. And I just don't know if we're going to put up a massive amount of points like everyone wants us to after last week. We, want, we, we all want to feel better about the offense. We want to get right, right? Quote, unquote. But I don't know if that's going to happen without JT on top of all the other things that we're missing offensively right now. So 26 is a lot of points. I think we're going to win this game comfortably. I could see it being something like, let's say, 31-6. 28-6, something in that ballpark. I don't think that we are going to allow them to score very much. I don't think they're going to be able to do that. But I'd also say, guys, don't expect us to drop like 50 or something on UAB. They're too good on defense. We're too banged up on offense. We're too inexperienced on offense. We don't have a rhythm right now. I don't, know, I don't even know if we have an offensive identity right now. So I would not go into this game expecting us to drop like 50 plus points on this team. I don't expect them to score a lot of points. I really don't. But I don't think we're going to put up a massive amount of points either. So I think they'll be able to keep it close enough to cover the spread. Again, I think we'll win comfortably. We should win comfortably. But I don't know if it's going to be enough to cover the spread, especially if JT Daniels does not play. But all right, guys, that does it for today here on the Glory UGA podcast. I really hope a lot of you guys are able to make it out to the home opener on Saturday between the hedges. If you do have a fantastic time, if not, have a great time wherever you are. Enjoy your football Saturday. We only get 13 regular season Saturdays, guys. So live each and every one of them up. Have a great weekend. For Charlie, I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs.